It is Wednesday, August 3rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us now is a longtime Titans insider. You can find his work on his website, paulkoharski.com. He is at NFL on Twitter. He is Paul Kaharski. Paul, thanks very much for joining us today. Good to be with you guys. You can also catch me on Outkick 360. Yeah, catch him anywhere and everywhere. Derrick Henry is obviously going to start any fantasy discussion for the Titans. He averaged 27.4 carries per game last year before suffering that foot fracture. Do you think that they bring his volume back down this year? And assuming that the answer is yes to some degree, to what degree would you expect? I do not think the answer is yes. I I think, you know, he needs to prove the foot is fine with the workload. Um, you know, the playoff game was a fiasco in all ways, shapes and form. Uh, and he wasn't ready. Probably they should have gone back to Deontay Foreman um, in that circumstance against uh, the Bengals. But, um, you know, and he's worked more early in camp than uh, he's worked early in camp uh, ever before under Mike Vrabel. Um, he's not going to work in preseason games, but, uh, and he's not been at his best out of the gates early in the season, but I think their attitude with Derrick Henry is, uh, not to conserve. Uh, I think it's, uh, worry about now, now, and worry about later, later. And he's a workhorse back who really, uh, does a lot of his best work in the third and fourth quarters after teams get worn down a little bit and he, he gets stronger as he goes um, he's good when they have a lead, obviously, and can break some teams' backs with with home runs late in games. You know, so I, I think you know they're perfectly happy to give him the ball 22 times a game, uh, pretty pretty frequently. Hassan Haskins, you know, is a guy that could take first and second down carries if he pans out to be what they want. He's not going to be a third down back by any means. I think Dontrell Hilliard will be that guy based off what he did last year. But I don't think they're going into the season thinking like, how can we limit his carries? I think maybe, you know, it happens naturally based on the score and the situation, but I don't think by plan. Any chance we get more uh, receiving usage from Henry this season? He's not a natural receiver, right? You know, his, his receiving stuff is, you know, turning and facing the ball where they get him in space on, on nicely designed stuff. So I think they do that as much as they can to keep people honest and because they can scheme it up well. So the degree that they could scheme it up well, yes. But to the degree that Derrick Henry's dangerous as a weapon, catching the ball on the move and stuff like that, no. So I don't know how good an answer that is to your question. I I wouldn't be drafting him for the PPR benefits. Mm-hmm. And you're not drafting him for the third down benefits. You're drafting him for the first and second down, uh, you know, workload. Yeah. And I would imagine that a, a receiving role around what we saw last year, which was up a little bit, it, it has increased slightly over the past couple of years, but he works at it all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. when, when special teams is going on and, and some veterans, you know, can, can get a breather, he's often catching passes from the running back coach, Tony Dews. Uh, it's important to him. He wants to be good at it, but like, you know, he's never going to be like one of those smaller backs. That's a natural third down pass catching type. 
And of course, the reason that they load him up with so many touches is he's just a, a rare human being. But if we see Derrick Henry go down, miss some games again this season, of course, Deontay Foreman's gone. You mentioned they drafted Hassan Haskins. What do you think the replacement plan would look like in that case? Would it be similar to last year where it ended up being Foreman plus Hilliard? Would we get Haskins plus Hilliard most likely? Yeah, I think so. You know, they've got Wilkins, they've got Cannon. But I, I think Hilliard is very much the third down back at this point. And I think Haskins is, you know, the Henry insurance now. I think they love Foreman, but he got a one-year, $2 million contract with, I think, nine thirty as a bonus, which is rich for that position. And paying Derrick Henry what they are, I don't think they felt like they needed to spend that. They plugged and played guys last year. It sounded ridiculous when they said, we're going to have the same mentality and do the same things. And then they had the same mentality and did the same things. All they lacked was the home run ability, which is what you're paying Derek Henry, the big bucks for, but those guys all did uh, a really, the Adrian Peterson thing didn't work, but the, the rest of it did. I, for Henry, I, I think the foot is probably going to be fine. The question is, is the foot a harbinger of injuries to come and the first of the chain of injuries that show up for a lot of guys after a huge workload 27, you know, it's hard to say 27 is pushing 30. We're taking away three years there. If you say that, and he didn't have a heavy workload at the beginning. So the optimistic view is that he's got a few more big years left and that the Jones fracture was a singular event and that the rest of those injuries would still be a few years off. But I understand, you know, if you're a fantasy person having having doubt. But I mean, how many true bell cow backs are there? I, I love Jonathan Taylor, but I don't love the way Indianapolis used Jonathan Taylor last year. And I'm not convinced that they're going to use him with the same mentality the Titans are going to use Derrick Henry. It was a rocky start for Traylon Burks this spring, whether it was due to asthma or him just being out of shape. Um, how has Burks looked in training camp so far and how big of a role do you think he's going to be ready for how big of a role is he going to get right out of the gate for his he was, he was absolutely out of shape mm-hmm. uh asthma aside as a as a, a it was a factor but out of condition yeah. was definitely a factor and he said as much um and he said he should have come in better so he he fessed up to making a mistake he looks good i mean he looks smooth it's early there's nobody you know banging on him and there's a lot of camp to make it through but, you know, if everything goes okay, he's wide receiver two on opening day on a team that's going to play less three wide and more too tight. It got, it, that's historically what the Titans have been. They're not deep at wide receiver. You know, last year they felt like they were. They got injured. Uh, Julio Jones didn't pan out at all. A.J. Brown was beat up. Um, they're both gone. And so now it's Robert Woods and Traylon Burks leading the way. And they really need both of those guys to, to do well because what's behind them isn't particularly good. And then uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about the tight ends, but I think they'll be more too tight based on the personnel they have and based on Tim Kelly arriving and being the passing game coordinator. Um, and he did more of that uh, in Houston with the Texans. But, you know, barring setbacks for Burks, I, I don't think they're going to baby him. I think, you know, they're looking – I don't know that you get the A.J. Brown type emergence, but there are two types of teams in the league right now. 
with these big time wide receivers. Um, and, you know, we saw some teams deal them. Tyreek Hill moved. Devontae Adams moved. A.J. Brown moved. Uh, and some of those teams have expensive quarterbacks who are a lot better than Ryan Tannehill. But Ryan Tannehill is an expensive quarterback. And those teams are thinking that, you know, there are a lot of good wide receivers coming into the league who are having success out of the gate. The teams that got those wide receivers tend to have cheaper quarterbacks and feel like, hey, these expensive wide receivers can help make these quarterbacks. So we know which side of that the Titans are on. Do you see similarities between Burks's game and Brown's game? That was a common comparison made even before the NFL draft. I didn't really see it, but I mean, do you think Tennessee wants to use Traylon Burks like they used A.J. Brown? Yeah, I mean, I think there's similarity in the physicality for sure. I don't know that he's got the, you know, bang the first guy and then run away from everybody else. And the Titans have really sacrificed the explosion that they got from AJ Brown. I don't know if he's going to be that explosive. Um, You know, certainly they're hoping for it because they lack explosive playmakers and um, AJ Brown was a differentiator that, that paired with the, with the rushing offense keyed around Derrick Henry really made them go. And if they're going to have to chunk it more and build drives and not get those giant plays, um, that's going to slow things down, obviously. But st- still, you know, it was and will be a run-based defensive team, which what it, mm-hmm. what it was last year. Two years ago, it was kind of an offensive explosion. I think second in points and fourth in total offense. <clears throat> Every time there's an outbreak like that in Tennessee or anything close to it, generally reverts back to defense and the run game. And, and I think it will. It's interesting that Mike Vrabel's been talking about, you know, Burks is really physical, even two arm extend. And Vrabel's talked about, we know that's going to get called, but I'm telling them to be aggressive. And the first offensive pass interference call is on me. <laughs> and we will, we will notch it down from there after we get that call instead of saying, hey, it looks like we could get away with playing more physical, let's ramp it up. They'll start at a nine and bring it down. (laughs) But, you know, OPI isn't called that frequently, and so they're thinking, we're going to start out really physical, see where it gets us, and adjust from there. Sounds like something Mike Vrabel would say. (laughs) Yeah, fits them perfectly and fits the, the whole theme of the team, right? So, so you said Traylon Burks, wide receiver two. That means you think Robert Woods will be this team's top dog there. Um, do you think that's for the entire season or just like out of the gate? Do you think like Burks overtakes him as the top target in the passing game by some point? You know, they're not. They're not. And I don't know how many teams are, but Titans certainly aren't. Like this guy's number one. We're sure. going to look to him first on, you know, 80% of the routes. And this guy's the second option. So the differentiation is for us and for fantasy players. It's not on their depth chart and it's not in their scheme, you know, play to play week to week, matchup to matchup. They might have more favorable stuff, but how much they're getting targeted depends strictly on those matchups and on who's, who's open play to play. Tannehill's not going to be thinking I need to get the ball more to woods this game or this half than I do to Burks. And I think, you know, it will tend to even itself out who's healthier, who's who's uh, running better routes, who's got a weaker matchup, who's getting doubled. I think Woods is, is the guy that's going to get more attention early, but he's gotten attention before, and it doesn't mean he can't be open against it. 
Um, and if Burks could take it to, uh, take advantage of those one-on-ones early on, then, then the coverage will shift and maybe where the Titans go with the ball will shift too. How much of a chance is, is there that we get a third significant wide out, especially in terms of volume behind those guys? I know Racy McMath has gotten a little bit of buzz this week. We had Nick Westbrook, Akeen last year. Kyle Phillips seems like he's been a buzzy guy as a rookie so far. Who do you like among this group? And is there room for, you know, a worthwhile third receiver here? Yeah, I don't know what the volume will turn out to be. Kyle Phillips has uh, just gotten with the ones as the slot and he's a very natural slot a little bit like adam humphreys i don't feel like he's going to catch the ball with his back to the sticks and kind of do those plays where you know you you're right at the sticks and you catch it and you back into it maybe he will he's a little more shifty where he might get more yak than than adam humphreys was getting I think he's got promise. Most of what he's done so far has been in really good one-on-ones and, and some good seven-on-sevens. Hasn't made as many plays yet in team. Take that for, for what you will. Nick Westbrook, Akina, I think is kind of the swing guy. So he'll, he'll relieve Woods and Burks, you know, as they rotate guys in and out. He can also play in the slot. I think both of them stand to, to get some volume. After that, I wouldn't count on much volume. Des Fitzpatrick, I, I don't know if he's going to make the team. Very pedestrian so far. Racy McMath had uh, you know a great period the other day. I think he's primarily a special teamer. Mm-hmm. He's the fastest of all of those guys. So when they need to get somebody on the field that might stretch the defense, he might be the guy. And maybe he catches an occasional deep ball. But I don't think he's getting any kind of volume unless somebody's hurt. I guess you better be fast if people are calling you Racy. Yeah, it's a good good football name. <laughs> For sure. So the tight ends, you mentioned the Titans running uh, potentially even more two tight end sets this season. I assume Austin Hooper is going to be the, the top guy there after the contract he signed. Um, you know, Is it going to be Jeff Swaim as the number two? Is their rookie Chigo Okonkwo going to make any impact this season? How do you see that position shaking up? Hooper clear-cut number one, and I think a volume guy, uh, safety blanket type guy. And they didn't have one last year. They just kind of ignored the position after Johnny Smith left and counted on everybody to move up one spot, and none of them were qualified to do so. Anthony Ferks are at the head of the line there. And I think Chig Aquanco, uh, you know, it looks good so far. I think people are being a little too optimistic. But he's equipped to uh, to do both uh, block, and, and you can't be on the field too much here if you don't uh, have some blocking capability. Then they're not, not going to hang you out to dry. Swain will catch some, but I think Tommy Hudson even has the capability of passing Jeff Swain for snaps. So you wouldn't be looking at Hudson or Swain for, I mean, unless you're in a you know twenty team league. Um, <laughs> I play in some 16s. Uh, I don't even know that nice. they'd come into play there. But um, Austin Hooper, I think, you know, is uh, right, right, probably on the fringe there of, of top 10. And uh, Chig could be, uh, you know, a guy that, that uh, if you're looking for, for subs or uh, if you're going to float and, and pick up guys on a weekly basis and you've got a team, a defense that's bad against a tight end, he might be, be a guy that's worth picking up uh, on a week week-to-week kind of flyer. 
So I want to wrap this up with a defense question, which I usually do on these. And I think the biggest question for IDP purposes is linebacker. Last year, we generally got just one three down off ball linebacker from these Titans. And by the end of the year, it wasn't even really, we weren't even consistently getting that. So should we expect this year, either Zach Cunningham or David Long to be close to a hundred percent playing time, or is it just going to be a situation where it's more like 65 to 70% for that top off ball linebacker? Well, I don't think it's going to be Zach Cunningham. Zach Cunningham's not a very good coverage linebacker. Yeah. He, he's more of a thumper. He can be a really impactful guy, but I don't know that you want to see him turn and, and run um, in coverage We've seen him here in uh, in some mismatches in practice. Who was he against? Um, Robert Woods, maybe you know. And it was it was a hopeless situation. <laughs> Not that many inside linebackers are going to be doing well there. If, if somebody's on the field extended, uh, it'll be David Long, who who can turn and run with people. Who's probably the green dot guy for this for this team, which probably means he's going to be out there uh, most of the time. He can contribute to a good pass rush and, uh, you know, particularly against the right kind of team, he can, he can uh, be uh, not just uh, adequate in coverage, but good in coverage, a plus in coverage. So he's a guy I'd keep an eye on for that role. I was surprised at how much playing time Cunningham Cunningham got after arriving from Houston last year, but it seemed like maybe it was a bit more necessity driven by injuries to other guys. So I'm I'm glad to hear that, you know, even you're saying probably the green dot guy for David Long, because when I look at the group, I'm thinking I'm not absolutely sure what's going to happen, but I would rather bet on David Long for something and not bet too heavily on anybody here. Yeah. David Long or, or go elsewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Well, Paul, thanks very much for joining us today. What can people expect to find when they subscribe to paulkuharski.com? Well, uh, you know, they can expect to find stuff that is not uh, written everywhere. So whatever the story of the day is, I'll probably tweet some about it, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to write something else. Uh, I've got the most institutional knowledge of this team. I covered them back when they were in Houston. Um, and I'm pretty tied into the people who are running the show here. I've also got a former scout, Blake Bettingfield, who writes, um, he scouted for the, for the team for 19 years. He writes game previews and reviews from a scouting perspective. And I just added a, a guy named Mike Herndon, who, uh, is a longtime fan of the team, but writes great analytical pieces. Um, and he sees things and, and adds context in a way that, uh, Nobody else in the market really does. So uh, you get a, a great package of stuff. And I do uh, uh, going to try to do one. Well, I don't know when you're running this, but uh, videos, uh, conference uh, stuff like this, where uh, take questions from the subscribers. It's very uh, close, tight knit group that I know those people on a personal basis and we get together for chats. A lot of, a lot of great content. So I hope people check it out. Awesome. PaulKuharski.com. He is at NFL on Twitter. Paul, thanks very much for coming on and giving your insight. Outkick 362 so you can hear me daily, 2 to 5 Central. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate the invite. Absolutely. This is the eighth show in our Beat Writer series. You can check them all out on the Draft Sharks YouTube channel, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to get your pods. You can head over to DraftSharks.com now, where you can not only find every episode of the podcast, but you can find all the fantasy-relevant news in the free Shark Bites section. You can become a DS Insider to take full advantage 
of all of our content and tools. For our guest, Paul Kaharski, for Jared Smola, and the entire Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.